0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vincent Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now, here's your host, Raj. Hello, welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Thursday, the 25th of April. We are late it's entirely my fault there's no need to get into it but i won't blame vince for this one
1: <laughs> how are you doing <laughs> i'm happy to not be blamed all right that's right i could
0: blame you anyways it's always fun it makes me feel better maybe i should <laughs> hey, so it has to be somebody's fault yeah um we're gonna be tackling a couple of of uh, miniseries essentially with this and uh, I, I like the the you know, something old, something new kind of idea. So the older one, which is not all that old, but still is uh, one of the noir comics that came out a while back, series that came out in 2009, 2010, there were a bunch of Marvel noir comics that came out. And we had like Daredevil. There was a Luke Cage, Punisher, Wolverine, X-Men, Iron Man, and Spider-Man. And we're going to cover the Spider-Man one because I really quite liked it. I I thought it was phenomenal. It was four issues. And I liked the pacing and the differences while still maintaining the similarities in the stories. And after we're done with that, we're going to talk about some ne- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because it was a fantastic four-part series on the Foot Clan. And I really, really dug that. So we'll talk about that after. The um, Spider-Man Noir was written by David Hine, I believe. Yes, David Hine with Fabrice Sapolsky uh, with art by Carmen DiGiomangoco. Mm. I was close enough. Considering how many meds on on, trust me, that's close. Enough. I would have
1: loved to hear you try to pronounce that yesterday. Yeah, oh, <laughs> not good.
0: Um. Anyways, this one here, like, like most most of these noir stories that you'll see, you're you're looking at a different time frame, kind of thing, a very um, Victorian era, steampunk kind of era as well, and it tends to be a grittier story, and this is what we see here as well, and we see here how the you, you actually don't see initially how parker got his powers in this alternate universe right away there's a uh, there's a lot of storytelling that goes on to give you the different kind of mentality what's going on here and you're getting the the oppressed populace who is fighting to be heard and everything and not just be steamrolled all over by the powers that be that own the government, own the police, own everything, uh, including the papers, which I really love that aspect. (laughs) Um, And so you have here May, uh, Aunt May is actually an activist speaking out against this. And it fits perfectly with her character kind of thing, especially when you look at the differences with May in the Ultimate Universe as well. Then you can see how, you know, given the right push, she can really be quite loud if she needs to for what she feels is right. And then Parker believes in what she is saying as well. But whereas in the regular and in the Ultimate Universe, he's still quite a bit more mellow, here he's harsh, and he's kind of ang, very angry, and it would not take a lot to set him completely over the edge. And I, I, again, I don't know how much I would want to read of him like this, just because it is a lot edgier, edgier, and just more depressing at times. <laughs> but it was interesting for the four if series. Spider-Man's supposed to be issues. fun. <laughs> yeah, really, that's the thing, and and it's not really. He doesn't have that witty banter. It's just in your face, angst. And again, for four issues, it was great. I don't know how much more I'd like to
1: to 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 have that around, but it was really, really freaking good. See, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as you did, apparently. I but I think that's sort of the, kind of the reason why I didn't really buy into this one as much as it had some of the other noir stuff that i would read. Um, like, I felt this was a good story with the Spider-Man characters. Like, you know, I loved what they did with Jonah and, you know, Goblin and, like you said, May. But I didn't think it was a good Spider-Man story on that on that level.
0: Okay. And it's just because of him as a character, though?
1: Yeah. I, I It just didn't work for me. Right.
0: Because the character is again it is noticeably different the the jovial peter parker that is you know spitting out banter while he is um taking down bad guys is not here this is he is in some scenes very very angry and then as he begins to see more and more just how much of an influence the powers that be have over everyone including the people that are supposed to be his mentor and things like that that everybody's bought and paid for it really starts to affect him in a profound way Mm -hmm. i the one thing that i wasn't crazy about i will say is the manner in which he gets his powers it it just seemed to be way too easy way too i mean not that you know in a Going in a lab and it's a lab insect makes that much more sense or is that much more realistic or believable? But I don't know, this was just, it was just like a plot device that was thrown in that was far too easy.
1: Well, at least the stuff with like the, you know, the spider spirit that was kind of tying into. The uh, the comic storyline of I think it was around the same time, maybe 2008 with you know the with the whole animal totem thing and him growing like the spider talons and all that weird stuff. Like basically the stuff we see from Kane right now in Scarlet Spider, it's all stuff Peter went through. But that that's kind of the thing about the noir. Like the I haven't read all of them, but the ones I enjoyed the most are were the characters that didn't need that sort of like fantastic element. Like Daredevil noir, I really enjoyed that one. Luke Cage noir was fantastic because Luke Cage doesn't necessarily need his powers to be an interesting character on his own. And then my favorite one was actually uh X-Men Noir because they did an X-Men story without any powers, which was crazy. Like they had stuff where like Jean Grey, she was uh actually a con artist and that's how they like, they kind of added in her, you know, her telekinesis or like her uh Psychic abilities was she could just trick people into doing what she wanted instead of, you know, messing with their minds. So especially in comparison to a lot of the other noir stories I read, this was very jarring because it had that fantastic element that a lot of the others didn't.
0: And I think that had they not put it in and they just found another way to make him that hero kind of thing, I think it would have been a lot better. Mm -hmm. I think it would have fit a lot better and it still would have been, you know, the common man fighting against everybody else for what is good and what is just and what's right and uh, without the ability to climb walls so I think that would have been better myself Uh, but then what they do too is when you are going through the story then you really get to see that Goblin isn't a regular guy either Osborne is you find out much later on in the story but you realize that yeah he's not just a regular guy either so there's some fantastical throughout in hidden ways um and including with uh, jay jonah as well kind of thing so i mean it, it it works in that it's not just him kind of thing but i do think that had they grounded the entirety of the story it would have been better
1: well at least with uh what we saw like vulture and goblin like that stuff that's believable though like those are you know i i'd I don't know how many circus sideshows you've been to, yeah. but I've seen people like the vulture before, you know, the, you know, the, the, the geeks, the guys that bite the heads off chickens, like that, that's an actual sideshow act. And, you know, there's multiple, you know, birth defects and stuff that can lead to somebody, you know, kind of looking like the goblin. So that was at least more believable and more grounded in the real world. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Then, then, then magic spiders. spiders. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they can bite the hell out of other people and not give them powers, but Petey, they like him. They're giving him powers. Um, what did you think of the art overall?
1: I liked it, but at least for a comic that's titled Noir, I felt it was a little too bright. Bright. <sighs> yeah. Like like especially in comparison to uh you never played the Shattered Dimensions video game, did you? No. Well, that was the one where they had the crossover between Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2099, and Spider-Man Noir. And the art style in the noir levels was phenomenal. It was very washed out, you know, sepia tones, a lot of like black and white. It looked fantastic in there. And I hadn't actually read the Spider-Man Noir comic previously. So picking up the comic book, especially after seeing that art style, I was like, what is this? (laughs) It wasn't bad. It just – I don't think it was fitting.
0: It's very jarring. It's very different than – than a normal, normal, but you know what I mean, um, than the norm. So I thought that in that respect, it's like the lines are harsh and everything, and it works, and it works in a style, too, that is of that kind of steampunk era. So it does work in that regard. The um, the only thing is, is like you're saying, it's, well, part of that is that the coloring is phenomenal in this. It really is. It's just, it's too bright.
1: <laughs> but it it's freaking amazing, and it <laughs> If they had put out this exact same comic and just called it Spider-Man 1930s instead of Spider-Man yeah. Noir, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with it.
0: So that's about it. I, I think that it is definitely something that is worth picking up to read. Um, if you can find it to, like, a buddy of yours, kind of loan it to you, read, that's fine. I don't know that it's necessarily one that you have to own, but I, it is something that was fun to read, and I did enjoy it. hmm Okay. Let's move on to the Turtles, because that's definitely cool. That's an own. That's a <laughs> yeah,
1: own. IDW as part of their ongoing, incredibly great revival of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, over the last few months, they've been releasing a miniseries called The Secret History of the Foot Clan. A story by Mateus Santaloco with a scripting assist from Eric Burnham. And uh, art as actually also by Santaloco with a coloring from Joao Vieira. So Santa, this is basically Santoloco's baby. Like he's just running with this story and art and Man, it works. Holy (laughs) crap. (laughs) Like there's a uh, modern day framing sequence, if you will, of of a researcher, Dr. Miller, who he's, you know, investigating the Foot Clan and you know, he eventually gets uh, abducted by Karai and brought to Shredder. So basically it's just him recounting these stories that he's learned over the years and he's translating from, you know, Shredder's uh, hidden documents. That goes way back, of course, to the samurai era, which we've Already seen here in the Ninja Turtles, and with the, uh, you know, Splinter and uh, the, the Four Turtles and their backstory and stuff, of them being reincarnated from these older uh, characters and they use that setup to great effect because it takes us way back to the tale of Takeshi Tatsuo a great warrior who is so feared on the battlefield even his own liege lord uh, fears him and actually sends him on a mission that's actually a trap and he this was straight out of Lone Wolf and Cub like it was him against an army yeah. and he just wrecked them it was bloody it was brutal it was glorious what i liked about that fight too is that um you
0: you knew he was gonna he wasn't gonna make it out or at least not entirely kind of thing and they made it realistic in that kind of way like when he is brought down it's harsh and it is and it makes sense for the comic as well i I like how he worked it in but yeah it's just an and as good as this guy is a writer, because I, I really like these, his art, Jesus Christ. You're looking at these <laughs> fight scenes and it's unbelievable. Just beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. In the battle, I like how they worked it in that he actually, you know, had one of his legs lopped off at the knee. Not that it slowed him down any. Yeah, really. <laughs> but when he's uh, taken off the battlefield by, you know, this mysterious uh, woman and finds himself healed even to the point where he regrew his leg – and it's, it's not in terribly good shape. It's oozing with blood and fluids and all kinds of weird stuff. And when he takes his first step, it leaves the imprint that we now know as the Foot Clan uh, logo. I thought like, it's such a minor yeah. thing, but the way it was worked into the story was just brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So we see the rise of the Foot Clan under uh, Tatsuo's leadership and learn that his power and his long life, I think it – point in the story he'd lived for about a century and hadn't aged a day, seemingly, was uh, through an alliance with a witch, Kitsune. And Kitsune is getting her, as they call it, her magical uh, serum, which we now know is the actual, you know, the ooze, as we've come to find out, was through one of the Utroms that was coming through a portal in ancient Japan. I don't know if this was Krang or not. I'm not sure how long the Utroms live, but they're right there in one page. They took every aspect of. The Ninja Turtles franchise and melded it all together in a way that worked. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. like it, it, it going into this, if you told sense me than the original. Yeah, if you told me, oh yeah, you know the brain dudes from Dimension X were visiting ancient Japan and made the Shredder immortal, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> but it works. Yes. Uh Yeah, the Foot Clan. uh, There's some dissension within the ranks because they realize something ain't right here. That you know, this guy is a hundred years old, still doesn't look a day over thirty. He's growing increasingly violent and you know, oh. raids and taking over of territories. So Oroku Maji, who is a very familiar name, actually rebels and kills Tatsuo while he's regenerating one night. And as we, of course, know from uh, the lore here, Oroku Maji is the father of Oroku Saki, who we, is, of course, the Shredder. So we get fast-forwarding a few years of, you know, Maji is now leading the Foot Clan in a more peaceful way. But Oroku Sakai is not quite at feeling right with that. You know, he has all this anger inside of him, this aggressiveness. And they say through the witch's curse, but of course, you know, through their uh, religious beliefs, it's also known that he is actually the reincarnation of Takeshi Tatsuo's spirit. So just how we saw the turtles being reincarnations of previous lives, the Shredder himself is as well of this, you know, this great warrior. So, you know, all hell breaks loose. You know, he kills his dad, takes over the Foot Clan, and it, it's all downhill from there. But man,
0: <laughs> see, I really liked that. And again, and there's so many ways that I'm I'm enjoying this reincarnation better than, and I mean, of the comic series than the original. And I really like the original. It's Pun just intended. that so many of these things, it kind of was. Um, so many of the things that we see here are are so well handled in a way that makes more sense and. And that's more dramatic. I mean, when you're seeing here that, you know, the man killed this oppressive leader, and then later it's his son that kills him because of it, because he's the reincarnation. And it's a poignant moment too, like when when you get to that fight, and it's just, it hits you that much harder. And it, it makes you um, truly appreciate just how vicious and evil this spirit is. That, I mean, he would turn on his own father because he doesn't see him as his father. It's, he's been just reincarnated into that body. Mm-hmm.
1: And I also saw, like, enjoyed the bits we got between uh, Sakai and Hamato Yoshi, who was, of course, you know Splinter's previous uh, yeah. incarnation. And just because we've, we've seen bits of it, like tiny little bits into the flashbacks and stuff. But actually seeing their relationship over a number of years was really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. And then, of course, you know, the big thing at the end is we find out that, uh, you know, Shredder worked out a way uh, to kind of betray the Ootrams and get a lifetime supply of the Ooze that has basically turned him literally immortal in the story. So now that we have this little mini series that on one hand served as a backstory for all the stuff going on, but on the other leads into – Another layer of the modern day story that we have going on in the ongoing series. This
0: was so successful on so many levels. Yeah, because this is going to have a huge impact on the regular series now because like we're expecting that. I mean, they, they were saying he has to die, but he can't. So and then now knowing as well what happened the last time they quote unquote killed him, you know, even if they do, that spirit can come back in a very interesting way. So again, I'm I'm very interested to see what's gonna happen now.
1: Mm-hmm. And Shredder also uh mentions that he's on a quest to find where Katsune, the uh the witch, is hidden because he knows she's still around somewhere. So now I can't wait. I'm like I I, I need more right now. Give, yeah. <laughs> me, give me more give a full grown man, an adult who wants more Ninja Turtles comic books. <laughs> yeah, but you
0: know what? I mean, the majority of especially this series here was not a ninja turtle story. It was a an ancient Edo period kind of Japan Japanese story about these warriors and samurais and everything else. It's it it wasn't there's very few turtle scenes, although the turtle scenes <laughs> are awesome. <laughs> I really love how he draws the turtles and the
1: fight scenes are amazing. I, I on that subject, I like the little twist he did with kind of reshaping the turtles masks. Yes. Like it's such a small yes. little thing, but it, ha- it lends a great effect to the artwork. It it really does. So yeah, it seriously, guys, read some freaking Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, very, very good. It's
0: it's only this one here is a, a four part series, like I said, um, that just recently ended. So yeah, if you guys aren't reading it, this is actually even a good. Sp- taught to jump in read this and then work your way into the uh the regular series from there and you'll appreciate it that much more phenomenal Mm -hmm. series yeah.
1: Okay, so let's uh, move into what we've been reading. What do you got this week? Uh, actually, the first thing I read this week was uh, Bandette, which uh, we know was one of the Eisner nominees for Best New Series. So in celebration of that nomination, uh, Monkey Brain Comics actually put the first issue up on Comixology for free, Ooh. which, as you know, is a price I greatly enjoy for a number of things. <laughs> so of course I checked it out. Now, the issues themselves are only 99 cents a piece, as it is, so... It's not exactly, you know, a huge discount, but free. (laughs) Free, And I checked it out and it was enjoyable. Uh, I I don't think it's something I would personally read, but I'd say it's probably at least, you know, deserving of that best new comic nomination because, you know, there has been a great deal of uh, good new comics that we know have been nominated. Like I'm assuming much like DC when they relaunched the new 52, I don't think Marvel uh, submitted a whole lot of their – Marvel Now, now stuff launches. for the yeah. consideration. But, man, th- it was fun. Like, it's the story of, you know, this young woman who's basically, you know, French Robin Hood. You know, robbing riches from evil people, you know, is kind of their punishment. And it had a cool style to it. Like, it had kind of that, uh, like, a loop in the third feel to it. I don't know if you're terribly familiar with uh, with that. But and it was fun. Like, the art style was nifty. Like, it wasn't, you know, jumping out at you. But it it was enjoyable. I mean, it's okay. free. I'd say it's at least worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What else you got? All right. Moving on with uh, Age of Ultron. Uh, the story is plodding along at a pace, but <laughs> I don't know. Are you caught up? I've got I'm, most of them. Not all, though, yet. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not reading all the tie-ins. Or well, I'm just yeah, talking about, the, like, the core much, Age yeah. of Ultron. No, like, see, that's,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm lighting okay. on that. I've been doing the tie-ins more.
1: <laughs> well... Uh, they have this this uh, issue. You have Captain America's team going into the future and you know trying to take down Ultron there. But half the oh, comic yeah. is also Wolverine and oh. Sue Storm. Okay, going I read in. that. Okay. That was Go. awesome. Yes, because <laughs> I'm really, this is this a thing we say so many times at these big events. I'm really hoping that this is kind of a thing they stick to because, I don't, I don't want to ruin it, but they kind of killed off a major character. <laughs> But once they did this, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, I haven't seen that character show up in any of the Marvel Now comics since the relaunch. Have you? I don't know. So I'm thinking that this might have some sort of permanence to it. And if it does, good on you, Marvel. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It, I mean, it wasn't surprising because, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they try to do... The twist, you know, with Sue, where she gets all badass, um, and you're expecting that she's the one that's going to be holding back Wolverine, but it's an age old, we've seen this in many stories before, so it was expected that at some point she's going to realize what needs to be done kind of thing, and... But it was handled again in such a way that it was it was really, really well done, and I liked it, and it wasn't sappy, but it was enough to like really jar you i I enjoyed it
1: a hell of a lot, and they also did the uh the tie in with Wolverine and the x men yeah, which was an expansion of their little adventure where Wolverine was inadvertently responsible for the brood becoming a tougher enemy <laughs> that was so awesome <laughs> it, it was goofy, but it was good. his reaction to it was great, yeah. <laughs> And then the the last thing was Nova. And we say this every month, but I can't get over how good this is. I haven't read the last one actually. Uh, and just like what we were talking about with uh, you know, developments in Age of Ultron, it's really the developments to the overall Marvel universe that really had this one stand out to me, where he finds, you know, the the big threat that he's being prepped for by Rocket and Gamera is the Chitauri, who of course many people will know was the villain uh race from the Avengers movie because Marvel their original story for the Avengers movie was that the uh, the invading race was going to be the scrolls but they didn't have the rights to the scrolls those were kind of package deal with the Fantastic 4 franchise over at uh, Fox so they had to use the Chitauri, which previously we'd only known as the ultimate universe version of the scrolls. So this comic serves to bring the movie version of the Chitauri into the Marvel universe, which is great because, I, like I said, this the best thing about this Marvel Now 9, Marvel Now line, is that they're really specifically marketing it to those movie fans and giving them anything that they can recognize from the movies and putting it into the comics is just an all-around win. Right. And not doing it in a kind of a pandering way, like it fits, it makes sense. So that's all I've got this week.
0: Well, speaking along those same lines then, did you read uh, Thanos Rising, number one?
1: No, actually, I haven't. Really? I would have thought I, you would have been all over that. I'm sure I'll get to it at some point, but I kind of already know Thanos's origin, so. <laughs> okay, see, I did not. Um,
0: and this was actually good. Uh, it's Jason Aaron, who uh, wrote it, uh, art by Simone Biacci, uh, Bianchi oh my god the art is amazing in this the art is amazing especially actually I should who who did the coloring was it her as well doo, 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 doo. Yeah. coloring by Simone another Simone uh Peruzi uh, coloring is amazing anyways um so yeah it's the origin story of Thanos I didn't know his origin story so this was kind of fun um but I mean it's a story that we've seen once again time and time again the disfigured ugly demon baby kind of thing that they're gonna kill but they keep him and then he's good until the one event that sends him over the edge kind of thing um but i liked it i like the other the supporting characters and whatnot i liked i like that his mother is like in the loony bin wrapped up <laughs> in a straitjacket jacket and all that and trying to ignore him because she's the one that wanted to kill him um and then i like the relationships that he has with other children because on that world basically everybody's gorgeous so to have somebody who looks so completely different the other kids want to spend time with him so as opposed to you know the traditional type of story like this everybody makes fun of him and that's when he turns evil no everybody likes him and wants to spend time with him kind of thing it was interesting the the, the one thing of course is i mean I, I cannot say it enough the art just blew me away absolutely blew me away So I'm interested to see where it's going to go from there, though.
1: Yeah, I'm sure at some point I'll check it
0: out, but uh,
1: there's so much other stuff to read. I agree.
0: I agree. Um, Going on with the Injustice that we had just talked about, did you read 14?
1: Yes, and I'm trying to remember what happened. Uh, That's
0: where basically it's um, Batman and Nightwing are going off. Oh, yes, yes. And then basically Damien... Is pairing up with the others at the end, kind of thing, because he just does not. He's not siding with Batman. He's mm-hmm. actually, which is, I mean, goes with what we've seen of Damian. Yeah, in the regular, yeah, thing. Um, this one was, I, don't know, uh, I
1: again, just like the, the whole rest of the comic. It had its bright spots. Like I yeah. liked the interactions between Bruce and Dick. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. But, but it, you know, it, it, it's it's a bipolar comic book. Yeah, so
0: not as good as the other ones. But I mean it's all part of the series at this point here. Mm-hmm. Um going on with some again weird stuff. The uh there's a new avatar series, The Last Airbender, and this one is called The Search. So part one came out. Um, and this one was written by script by Jean Luang Yang. Um this was awesome. This was I so- read the last one. Oh dude, this was and really I know I need to get good. on it. <laughs> Oh my God! I, I had such a love affair with that TV show, as most people did. anybody who did it and watched watched it with an open mind, that it's you know you can get just as amazing a story in a kids show as you can in anything else. And the Last Airbender was just that; it was an amazing story. Well, the comics they're they're working with also in some cases with the the creators of the show, um, and so you're you're getting fidelity with the characters and that's what you see here and the reason I really like this one too is because what it is is it's a search for um for um uh, Kuzo's mother Mm. um and so you are um you're 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 getting the backstory of the backstory of him as a child and then even before that with his mother and how she came to be betrothed to the Fire Lord Prince at the time, kind of thing, and then why she um, became his mother and uh, and 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 all kinds of things like that, like because it's not what she wanted, obviously. So oh, not Kuzo Zuko, I meant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I, mean, like I kept that's That that's wrong, that's wrong. What my I knew who you were talking saying? about it, Like that name's not right. That's though. not right. <laughs> Eventually I'll get it. Um, but anyways. So you have, like, this fantastic story of, in, in the past, with with those characters, and then the present with the kids trying to, uh, to find anything that they can about her by going back to her village of origin. And then the relationship that Zuko has with his insane sister, Azula, haha, got the name right, and is father. You don't see much of the father in this case here you get a lot more of the sibling relationship which I like. They did again mm-hmm. that she's just bad shit crazy and I will bleep that. But so it, it's just fun. She's fun to have in any story and she's definitely fun in here because she is a lot more crazy than she was during the show up until the end when she was losing it. Well that's her now. So This is like really, really good. We're looking at like, it's long too. Like it's like 83 pages or something like that. So you're having a a really nice full story. Again, the relationship with uh, Zuko and the Avatar and the other main characters as well. I can't recommend this enough. Phenomenal, phenomenal story. So you check it out, dude. You're Yeah, you're, you're I don't that I don't
1: want to. It's just, God, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now well, that I have, like, the entire previous series to catch up
0: on. <laughs> lastly, Invincible Universe number one. I am assuming, of course, you read it? Yes. Okay. I loved it. I love it. And it's not even freaking...
1: Kirkman, who did this? The mm-hmm. it was Phil Hester who wrote this one. Well, Are have bi- you had you read the uh, the two guarding the globe miniseries that they did over no, the past year? No, I didn't read the Guardian Globes, but I did. Th- read this the- is basically the follow up to it. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Uh, Where it was the you know Brit and his assembly of the Guardians of the Globe. It was their comic.
0: Right. This was really good. I enjoyed this a lot for a variety of reasons. Actually, I mean, Invincible is actually only in this only for a little tiny bit. This is all about the supporting characters in the Invincible Universe and how they're going to be the main ones running the show for this series kind of thing, one would think. And so you're having a lot with uh, with the well, they're not really the Guardians anymore kind of thing, but the, the new group, whatever the hell they're called now kind of thing. Um, and then you're seeing a lot with, uh, with what's his name? Uh, Stedman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> falling apart at the seams there <laughs> after a while and, and you find out just how bad a shape he is. And then also this uh what's his name? What is
1: what Thor what's his name? Oh, Kid, Kid Kid Thor. Thor. Yeah, Kid Even Thor. though I saw the gag coming, I still thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that I mean, I
0: I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun to read and again knowing that I mean, we talked about that when we talked about Invincible. The The IP is strong enough and was so well-written that the supporting cast can easily carry not just a few issues, but a series if we want to. I mean, look at this freaking character that is the, the dragon aspect dude there. He can hold an entire issue or two, no problem, just with him and it'd be super interesting just because of everything he's gone through. So you find out just briefly some of what he he went through, but I I would love to see more backstory of that character as well. And and it, I feel the same about damn near all of them. So this mm-hmm. was really really enjoyable.
1: So and, I, and I'm happy they're expanding the concept beyond just the guardians because like we were talking about Hickman built up all oh, so much like there was a an ongoing series, I think it lasts like 26 issues, of Astonishing Wolfman, which was great. Just nobody was reading it, so they had to cancel it. So I, I really like the Wolfman character. So with them expanding beyond just the Guardians, it now allows them to bring him in, and yeah. you know, Tech Jacket, and all these other yeah. cool characters. I agree. I
0: agree. No, so this is like perfect timing for this, especially for me, because <laughs> now I'm caught up. <laughs> <laughs> and we know now from some of the readers who were ta- commenting on Twitter there who got caught up. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I think this is fantastic timing because... We're at a point where the series is interesting, obviously, with everything that's going on there, but to spread the love so that we can get another writer's point of view kind of thing on some of those other characters, pff, nothing but love. So yeah, make sure to pick it up, folks. So for this week, we are looking at, on the Marvel side, we've got uh, Avengers 10, Fantastic Four 7, FF number 6, which I got to tell you, dude, I kind of got caught up on the FF and I'm really not digging it. Have you been reading it?
1: It's, it hasn't quite made the cut yet. Oh Man, I'm
0: yeah not digging it. Guardians of the Galaxy, number two. New Avengers, number five. Thor, God of Thunder, number five. I only put that in for you. I think Ultimate. you mean eight. Is it eight?
1: No. I, I read seven last month. Okay, so. then eight. Oh.
0: Okay, dude. I was cutting pace from the new releases. Um, oh, yeah. Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man, number 22, finally. Uh, Uncanny Avengers, number seven. Uncanny X-Men, number five. Wolverine and the X-Men, 28. And Extermination, number two of two on the DC side we've got Batman Incorporated is that number 10 yeah number 10 yeah because 9 just recently came out so yeah I'm curious what's going to be happening there but I don't know how much
1: longer. I'm curious. You can be curious enough for the two of us. Yeah, but I'm,
0: I'm curious only to see through to the end of what's going on with that little story. And then that is pretty much it. Uh, the Dark Knight, number 19. Flash, number 19. Injustice, Gods Among Us, number four. Now, that is the actual full when they put them all together, not just the little weekly thing. Yeah, I think
1: that should, that should be the entire
0: Aquaman arc, I believe. Right. And uh, then Talon, number seven, which still amazing stuff coming out of that so yeah we got from everybody else dragon age until we sleep number two of three we've been loving the dragon age i'm hoping that once this is done we're going to be talking about this series as well uh teenage mutant ninja turtles number 21 Transformers Morn Meets the Eye, number 16. Five Weapons, number three. I put that in there because
1: you know what? I read two and I'm still digging it.
0: I'm having fun with it. Good for
1: you. Yeah. Invincible. When when was the last time you liked a comic that I didn't? It's always the other way around. (laughs) And and this has got so
0: many things that I could be pointing to as stupid and lame kind of thing. But for some reason, it's working for me. I'm enjoying it and I'm really seeing it just as silly popcorn kind of fun. Mm. And uh, with all the little kind of masteries and weapons and different things so it's quirky fun uh invincible 102 that's going to be awesome uh manhattan projects number 11 equally awesome and then i'll oh, choose <laughs> mighty skull kickers number one <laughs> that's awesome what does that wind up being in the actual that's 20 right is that issue uh, number twenty? no that should be 21 should it okay mm-hmm. so yeah awesome stuff there make sure to pick up all the variants and which doctor malpractice number six of six another one that i'm hoping that at some point maybe we'll cover the entirety of the series because that's been a hell of fun to read mm-hmm. so with that we're actually going to wrap it up for the week you can of course check out the show notes at commonbookinformer.com and you can find us on twitter at CB Informer. hope you enjoyed the issue and we'll talk to you next week